Welcome to our podcast. I am Linda Messer. My husband Ron and I invite you to join us in our weekly broadcast of A New Voice of Freedom. Welcome to Season 4 of A New Voice of Freedom, written by Ronald Keith Messer. This podcast is part of a series we call In Defense of Christianity. Podcast 105 is entitled The Story of Creation, Part 1. In this and the succeeding two podcasts on the story of creation, Linda and I will analyze Genesis chapters 1 through 3, which relate the story of creation and the fall of man. The story of creation is among the greatest stories ever told. Those who read the Bible are acutely aware of what is not said. For such an important story, the language of the Holy Bible is very succinct. It is also beautiful and astonishingly informative. We thank you for taking this journey with us. In the following, I recommend that you have the King James Version of the text in front of you. Though I have used the wording of the KGV, I have discarded the traditional chapter and verses and divided the story of creation into parallel elements as if it were a poem. It would take many pages to do a complete analysis, which could only be illustrated in written form. Audio does not do it justice. In reading, Linda is following my parallel structure. In the beginning God created the heaven and the earth, and the earth was without form and void, and darkness was upon the face of the deep. And the Spirit of God moved upon the face of the waters. The above was the introduction. Now we begin the description of each day of creation. Each day begins with, And God said, and ends with, And the evening and morning were, followed by the number of the day. Day, of course, means period of time, not 24 hours. Time cannot be created before the time and mechanism is in place, and that does not really occur until after the fall. Our time is measured by the revolutions of the sun, moon, and earth as they stand in heaven today. Such a clock did not exist before creation occurred. I am not confident enough in science to discuss the scientific implications of Genesis. Science must stand or fall upon its own method. I have one primary goal. I let the great poets John Milton and Alexander Pope speak for me. To justify the ways of God to man. I believe the Bible is the word of God. I am a literalist. My goal is not to question the Bible, but to understand it. It is true that we are at the mercy of human translators, and it is always possible that in translation some ambitious souls may slant the text according to opinion rather than sticking to the original text. We do not live in a perfect world, but we are very fortunate that down through the centuries men of great character tried to preserve the original. Thus we have what we have, and it is magnificent. Day 1 And God said, Let there be light, and there was light. And God saw the light, that it was good. And God divided the light from the darkness. And God called the light day. And the darkness was called night. And the evening and the morning were the first day. By restructuring the epic poem, you may easily discern the parallel elements. God created, God moved, God said, God saw. God divided, God called. In some, I insert words that are clearly implied to complete the parallel elements. You may also see the antithetical parallelism, heaven and earth, form and void, 
darkness and light, day and night, evening and morning. Without paragraphs or verses or numbers or titles, parallelism provided the structure of ancient Hebrew poetry. Whenever things are repeated, they are repeated for a purpose, thus allowing the readers to connect scriptures throughout the Holy Bible. Parallelism enhances meaning, provides emphasis, gives structure, connects concepts, and clarifies relationships. It is awkward at first for readers of English, but it grows on you. Now let's connect it to the second day. Day 2 And God said, Let there be a firmament in the midst of the waters. And God said, Let it divide the waters from the waters. And God made the firmament, and God divided the waters which were under the firmament from the waters which were above the firmament. And it was so. And God called the firmament heaven. And the evening and the morning were the second day. Notice that when you let the parallelism provide the structure, certain changes take place. For example, verses no longer count. That will also hold true for chapters. Concepts, not structure, dominate. And sometimes there's greater clarity because you make logical connections that verses and chapters did not provide. Day 3. And God said, Let the waters under the heaven be gathered together in one place, and let the dry land appear. And it was so. And God called the dry land earth, and the gathering together of the waters called he seas. And God saw that it was good, and God said, Let the earth bring forth grass, and herb yielding seed, and fruit trees yielding fruit after his kind, whose seed is in itself upon the earth. And it was so, and the earth brought forth grass, and herb yielding seed after his kind, and the tree yielding fruit whose seed was in itself after his kind, and God saw that it was good. Notice that day three has two separate creative periods. The indicators of the first period of the third day are, and God said, and it was so, and God saw that it was good. The indicators of the second period of the third day are the same, and God said, and it was so, and God saw that it was good. The third day is concluded with the familiar refrain. And the evening and the morning were the third day. We must ask, who is God speaking to? Well, God the Father is speaking to his Son, Jesus Christ, the creator of heaven and earth. In other words, Christ, as with everything else he does, acts under the direction of the Father. He obeys his Father's commandments in everything. Before Christ came to earth to be the Savior of the world, he had already proven himself to the Father. Christ was God before he came to earth. No one else was worthy in heaven or earth to take Christ's place. The Father approves everything before the creation continues. The next day of creation does not begin until the previous day is approved by the Father. Notice that Moses records, and it was good, or, and it was so, after each day of creation. Day 4, and God said, Let there be lights in the firmament of the heaven to divide the day from the night. And God said, Let them be for signs and for seasons and for days and years. And God said, Let them be for lights in the firmament of heaven to give light upon the earth. And it was so. And God made two great lights, the greater light to rule the day and the lesser light to rule the night. He made the stars also, 
and God set them in the firmament of the heaven to give light upon the earth and to rule over the day and over the night and to divide the light from the darkness. And God saw that it was good, and the evening and the morning were the fourth day. Also notice how the description of the creation of each period begins with, and God said, and ends with, and the evening and the morning were, and the number of the period is listed. It appears that after the completion of each period of creation, there is another council. After each report of Christ the Creator, the Father approves of his actions and gives him instructions on how to proceed in the next period of creation. Time as we know it still does not exist. Time is determined not by days, months, or years, but by creative periods. God does not wear a watch. Day 5 And God said, Let the water spring forth abundantly, the moving creatures that have life, and fowl that may fly above the earth in the open firmament of heaven. And God created great whales, and every living creature that moveth, which the waters brought forth abundantly after their kind, and every winged fowl after his kind. And God saw that it was good, and God blessed them, saying, Be fruitful, and multiply, and fill the waters in the seas, and let fowl multiply in the earth. And the evening and the morning were the fifth day. On the fifth period of creation, notice that life is first created in the sea, and then from the sea also came forth fowl. Sea creatures, however, were created before the fowl, though both came from the sea. More emphasis is placed on the next or sixth period of creation than any of the other periods. Day 6. And God said, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind, cattle and creeping things, and beasts of the earth after his kind. And it was so. Did you notice the phrase, Let the earth bring forth the living creature after his kind? Does that not suggest that laws are in place allowing that to occur? He said, Let the earth bring forth, not let us create. That allows for an intelligent approach to evolution, not the godless approach science uses today to falsely disprove the existence of God. If evolution exists, and I do believe it exists within boundaries, one thing is it's sure, it will be governed by the laws of God. Evolution is not and cannot be God. Without boundaries established by law, evolution would destroy life, not accommodate it. And God made the beast of the earth after his kind and cattle after their kind, and everything that creepeth upon the earth after his kind. And God saw that it was good. And God said, Let us make man in our image after our likeness, and let them have dominion over the fish of the sea, and over the fowl of the air, and over the cattle, and over all the earth, and over every creeping thing that creepeth upon the earth. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, Be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth and subdue it. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air and over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. And God said, Behold, I have given you every herb-bearing seed, which is upon the face of all the earth, and every tree, 
in the which is the fruit of a tree yielding seed, to you it shall be for meat. And God said, To every beast of the earth, and to every fowl of the air, and to everything that creepeth upon the earth, wherein there is life, I have given every green herb for meat. And it was so, and God saw everything that he had made, and behold, it was very good. And the evening and the morning were the sixth day. All we have is language to go by. Therefore, we must examine the language closely. For example, notice the verbs of creation. God created, and God made, and God divided, and God blessed. Different verbs have different connotations and denotations. Notice the following descriptions of creation. And God said, let the earth bring forth grass, etc. And God said, let the waters bring forth abundantly, etc. And God said, let the earth bring forth the living creature, etc. That also allows evolution to be part of intelligent design, but it is clearly governed by a complete set of laws. I am not asserting evolution. I am asserting, however, that it is not ruled out of the creation story. God is all about boundaries. But when it comes to man, the verbs are very clear. And God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. So God created man in his own image. In the image of God created he him. Male and female created he them. And God blessed them. And God said unto them, be fruitful and multiply and replenish the earth. And have dominion over the fish of the sea and over the fowl of the air. And over every living thing that moveth upon the earth. Man is not a product of evolution. Man is the only being created in the image and likeness of God, as will be clearly demonstrated in chapter 2, in which Adam and Eve were formed. God approves every day with the words, and God saw that it was good, or, and it was so. Notice, however, that on the sixth day God added, and God saw that it was very good. Why would God use the word very? I think it means a kind of completion, because only after the sixth period can he rest. In other words, the sixth period of creation concludes the first phase of the creation story. It suggests to my mind that all laws of nature are in place and the mechanics of the universe will now operate independently. Rested from their labor doesn't mean God is taking a nap. It means he doesn't have to go back to that labor ever again. The laws of nature operate independently and will continue until their course is run. It was God who organized laws to bring order out of chaos. The business of religion is to understand the purpose of God. The business of science is to understand the workings of law. Both, if understood properly, lead to a better understanding of God. Cold law creates atheists. True science creates Christians. The existence of law is the greatest witness of intelligent design science will ever discover. And also note that like day three, day six is also divided into two creative periods marked by the same phrases. And God said, and it was so, and God saw that it was good. But particularly notice that when God created man, he said, and God saw that it was very good. All words count in scripture. The term very good applies to two things, the creation of man and the entire completion of the six creative periods. It is only after the sixth day of creation that God rests from his labors. As evidence that the above is accurate, the structure of creation ends. There are no more periods of creation. The seventh period is set apart from the first six days. 
The seventh creative period is unique. It never ends, and in the next two podcasts on the creation story, I hope to explain why. Chapter 2 of Genesis only makes sense when you separate the seventh period from the other six periods of creation. Only through the parallel structure can we understand chapter 2 of Genesis. In fact, the division between chapters 1 and 2 of Genesis is in the wrong place. The first verse of chapter 2 clearly belongs to chapter 1, for it is the exact parallel of verse 1 of chapter 1, and adds the concluding line. Chapter 1 is incomplete without the verse 1 of chapter 2. Notice, verse 1 of chapter 1. In the beginning God created. Now look at verse 1 of chapter 2. Thus the heavens and the earth were finished, and all the host of them. That line is clearly intended to conclude the first six periods of creation and to give closure to that entire period. In chapter 2 of Genesis, another creative period begins that is entirely different from the first six periods. It speaks of a labor from which the Lord never rests. The labor is... Mark two twenty-seven, And he said unto them, The Sabbath was made for man, and not man for the Sabbath. Therefore, the Son of Man is Lord also of the Sabbath. If I accomplish my purpose, you will never read that scripture the same way again. But that is for another podcast. Here we must conclude Genesis chapter 1. The phrase, and all the host of them, is strange because it suggests that the creation story is finished, including man. Yet Adam and Eve are missing. How is it that all the host of heaven has been created and they left out Adam and Eve? It is as if the story of creation starts over again with verse 2 of chapter 2. In our next podcast, we shall examine Genesis chapter 2 and compare it with the story of creation in chapter 1. Please join us. Thank you for listening. Watch for our next podcast.